unlocking your unlimited potential is the ability to pivot on demand to continue moving forward. Every step in the right direction is a step. No matter if it's a baby step or not, keep moving forward. Well, most of us will go through life never tapping into those gifts and talents that lie dormant within. So helping that youngster to find what's there as opposed to being being jealous of all the other people who have accomplished their own goals. You've got your own stuff in you. It's got to tap into it. Consistent creation comes confidence and confidence. We think we know our students' potential. We don't. We think our own potential. We don't. We only reach our limits when we stop trying. So keep trying. Allowing others to see in them what you see in them. Helping them to see in them what you see and and to, you know, helping them believe in the greatness that they are, that you see and experience every day. Giving somebody a chance and being there to support them through. It means your potential is unlimited. I mean, focus on that. It is an infinite process, infinite progress. You're constantly taking steps to improve. Don't ever chase, got it. Don't ever chase that moment. Don't ever chase it, whatever that is, unless it is constant progress. So focus on the unlimited portion of this. That don't chase somebody else. Don't chase an arbitrary moment in time, a momentary accomplishment, a certificate, a label, a title. Just keep getting better every day. If we're doing that work, or somebody else is doing that work on us, and that's that work, on each one of the staff and each one of the people that get involved in Casogar, they get unlocked their, their potential by the children. So once you get involved with children, working with children, it's not what you do with them, it's, it's how the children impact in your life to unlock that, that unlimited potential that you have, and then they're going to see the benefit from it. Unlocking unlimited potential means empowering others to take the risks they need to, to become exactly who they can be. Help that kid find what they're truly passionate about and what keep it working, what wakes them up early and what gives them that sense of wow. And I want them to find what they're good at, to really identify their strengths. You know, that's the thing because of school and because of the model that we use for school, where we're really focused a lot on weaknesses and trying to level up those weaknesses. I, for me, brother, I just want that kid to identify what they're passionate about and what their strength is. And then getting clear about how we can help that kid use that potential and use that strength to go out into the world and make a difference in the lives of other people. All right, welcome to the Unlocking Unlimited Potential Stories show. So excited to be here today with this guy right here, Coach Jim Johnson. Coach, how you doing? Doing great, Brandon. Good to see you, and uh, I'm looking forward to being uh, part of your show today. Yeah, well, it's great to be on the show with you because I know we've connected a few times in the past recently, and it's been awesome to be able to connect with you and to be able to hear your story and I remember seeing your story way, way, way back on ESPN, and I don't know how I came across you recently. I think it was through Darren Peppard's uh, podcast, and mm -hmm. I reached out to you right away, and I was like, wait a minute. You're that guy <laughs> from the video. 
And so, you know, before we jump into that, just why don't we just kind of talk a little bit through your story and you tell every my listeners a little about who you are and how you've kind of gotten on this path in education. Sure. Well, I really kind of followed my uh, my parents' footsteps. They were both teachers. In fact, my dad was my high school basketball coach, and I was the oldest of six. And uh, ironically, uh, myself and my youngest brother went into education. The other four uh, went into business. So, uh, uh, but uh, I really uh, grew up loving sports, and you know, being involved in all kinds of team sports and. And uh, it was something that was really built in my nature. And, you know, like a lot of kids growing up, when I got into high school, I became a pretty good high school player. Uh, in my mind, I was a lot better player than I really was. <laughs> and, of course, uh, I thought I, you know, could go to college and be a great player and play in the NBA. Those were all my ultimate dreams. But, um, you know, the really interesting thing is that um, I ended up being a teacher and a coach um, because my NBA dreams really fizzled because I actually even got cut from my college basketball team. But you know, what really uh, helped me is that I really realized that when I started coaching, that in leadership, it's nice if you go through a lot of the different roles. And that I was unique in that situation because when I was young, I was sometimes the last player on the team. When I got a little bit older and got a little bit better and physically stronger, my senior, I was the best player on the team. Then I got humbled in college and I got cut. So I, I went through a lot of different roles myself and it helped me with empathy with all the youngsters that you tried out for the teams that I coached for over 30 years. And so I, I think that really developed. And, and uh, you know, I like a lot of people early on in my career, I was trying to figure things out. I, I struggled. In fact, uh, I uh, got a full-time job at 25 years old and became a head basketball coach at a school about 20 minutes from where I grew up. And I was excited. I had been a, a JV coach for a couple of years, and I thought I knew everything about coaching. And even though this program wasn't in very good shape, in my mind, I was going to be the, the magician that changed it around. And, of course, I did such a great job. I led that team to 17 consecutive losses. And then uh, they ended up letting me go. I, I lost my job after one year. Uh, but the other thing that I think people can really learn, uh, as much as that was a devastating blow to my ego and my career initially, was I got a break. I got a call from a local junior college coach. And ironically, his name was Bill Van Gundy. And for your listeners that follow basketball, you probably have heard the Van Gundy family because Jeff is uh, son and his son Stan have been head coaches in the NBA a few times. So, and they're both commentators now. And so, Coach Van Gundy kind of took me under his wing. But my real dream was I want to get back and coach and try to make an impact with high school kids. Unfortunately, after that, I took over three other programs. In fact, two in my hometown of Greece, New York, where they were had been losing, and we were fortunate to turn them around. And, and my last stop at uh, for twenty years, we'll probably get into the story you're alluding to in just a moment. Uh, we had quite a run there. So, yeah, let's let's go there. We're going to go there for sure. You know, I, I think it's important um, for listeners to know that you have a book that you wrote about this story, a coach and a miracle life lessons from a man who believed in an autistic boy. So kind of changing the lens a little bit here. And, you know, I love how you said 17 consecutive losses and lost your job 
but still, you know, when the going got tough, you still got up and kept going. Um, and I think this kind of ties in a little bit to where this story's going to go when you tell us the story um, here about it, because that is, you know, it was, it was a very popular story. Like there's a lot of people that have heard this story before. And there's also a lot of people who haven't, of course, because that's just life. But my point is, is I remember the day I saw this video and I remember just being like glued to the screen and there was just something about it to me, you know, I'm an author of a book titled unlocking unlimited potential. So that I've always kind of noticed that those moments in life and I've always been drawn to them. And I think that um, this story is a really great story to kind of to share. And I know you've shared it a million times, but talk us through a little bit of, the story and then how it kind of like turned into um, a sensation through ESPN things like. Yeah. So back in 2003, I'd been coaching at my final stop at Greece Athena while I was there for 20 years. And we were having uh, success, I guess, if you measure from wins and losses, we were winning a lot of games, but I was struggling in the postseason and we kept losing in our postseason, what we call our sectional tournament. And this young man comes into our program in 2003, and he tries out for our JV team. And I didn't know him. I, I was in high school. But it was a fairly big high school. And he tried out for our basketball team as a sophomore, the JVs. I was the varsity coach. And his name was Jason McElwain. The world now knows him as J-Mac. And J-Mac uh, had a number of challenges. Uh, from physical stature, he was very small. He's like five, six, maybe 90 pounds as a sophomore. And he wasn't a very good athlete either. Uh, he was learning disabled. He's on the autism spectrum. Uh, but he tried out for our JV team. And our JV coach came to me and said, Coach, Jason's not a very good player, but man, he's got a big heart. And you always talk about when we choose him people to be a part of our program, we want people that are committed and are passionate uh, and are team players. And I see that out of him. And I said, well, what do you got in mind? He says, I'm going to offer the team management and let him practice with the team. And that's what he did. And he ended up sitting on the bench for both JV and varsity games. And I was getting to know him some, and I just admired his, uh, uh, his enthusiasm and his desire, you know, and he want is, I felt he wanted to win games more than I think the guys who were on the team often. And he just, he was so incredibly devoted. Well, what made Jason unique, because in my career as a head coach for 30 years, I rarely, if a, a young man, because I coached boys basketball for, for over three decades. If they got caught from the team, rarely would I have someone try out a, another year. It happened only a few times. And when they did, they really didn't make any commitment. But Jason was different. J-Mac, after his sophomore year, he wanted to be part of the varsity and make the varsity team. And he came to all our off-season workouts. And Brandon, I was picking him up at his house. And, and we were really starting to build a bond. I just admired his desire and his perseverance and, you know, his, his struggles and trials. But he was always the last one leaving the gym, the first one there. Or he was just – and, you know, he was a guy after my own heart. So he tries out for our varsity as a junior. And, you know, he's not good enough to make the team. But I want to offer him the team manager's job. And he just embraces it. And – 
uh, his dream was at that point in my career, we had never won a section five championship. And he was really saying, coach, we, we're going to de develop this mantra this year, this slogan, we're going to stay focused. We're going to help you win this, uh, your first section five championship as junior. Well, we get to the sectional semifinals as junior and we lose at the buzzer to our crosstown rival. And that had been the sixth time I had taken teams to the section five semifinals, never making the finals. So again, Jason is senior. He comes to all our offseason workouts. When he comes out as senior, he's still not good enough to make the team. But I tell him in our meeting, uh, I said, Jason, I'm going to give you a gift. And he said, what's that? I said, you've been so committed to our program. I'm going to put you in uniform for our final home game, which we called senior night, and hopefully get you in the game. And I kid people that periodically he would ask me about that uniform during the season. And of course, I define periodically as about every other day. He was pretty fired up. Well, ironically, and I'm not, I can't delve too deeply. It is all in the book that you mentioned, but we had really one of my most difficult seasons. We had a lot of internal strife between parents and players that year. And even though our team was supposed to be really good because of the strife, we were really struggling. But J-Mac didn't completely comprehend that, but he was kind of a rock. And fortunately, we, after Christmas, we got things going in the right direction and we had some momentum. I think we won eight of our nine, last nine games going into senior night. Well, for your listeners who don't know about senior night, that's where we honor all our senior players before the game. And it's something I'll always cherish is to see Jason embracing his parents before the game in the uniform instead of his normal white shirt and black tie that he came for every game. And he... Uh, just seeing him in uniform was really special to me. So the game goes on, and we had a really good student body following that year. They called themselves the six men, and they start chanting at the opening tap, we want J-Mac, we want J-Mac, like I, I forgot or something. Well, I really wanted to get him in the game, but the, the other thing I wanted to do is I wanted to get him in with enough time so he could score a basket. I thought if he could score a basket, that's a memory he'll keep for the rest of his life. Well, with just over four minutes to go, I felt the timer's right. I pointed to him. He nearly ran on the court. He was so excited. And then what happened next was something I did not expect. Our student body, our six men, gave him a standing ovation. But what Jason and I didn't know is one of our parents had made these pictures, these placards of Jason, and put them on paint sticks and gave them to the students and said, if Jason gets in, show these. Well, it was unknown to me, and I got so overwhelmed with emotion. I actually sat down, and tears started to flow down my face. I was just so touched by how they uh, greeted Jason. When Jason gets in the game, first time he touches the ball, he's got a shot in the, uh, from the, behind the three-point arc in the right corner. He lets it go. The crowd kind of stands in anticipation. It misses by like six feet. And I kid people, I know you're not supposed to pray in the public schools, but I was praying, dear God, please help him get one basket. He misses his second shot, although it was closer and hit the rim. So I thought God was starting to listen. In his third shot, he shoots a three. And this time it goes in and the place just explodes. And I'm thinking, God must be a basketball fan. Not only has Jason scored, he's got a three-pointer. Can't get any better than this. Well, for the next three minutes, Jason's idol was the late, great Kobe Bryant. And he turns into Kobe and he starts making shot after shot. And I got to fast forward and tell you just this quick. So four months after that game, Jason's at the Espies out in California. 
and he's up for the greatest sports moment of the year. And one of the other finalists for the award that he's up for is Kobe Bryant, his idol. He had scored 81 points in an NBA game, and he beats Kobe out for the idol or for the uh, award. And it was really powerful. Well, Jason, going back to the game, when the smoke had cleared, he had scored 20 points in less than four minutes, including six three-pointers. In fact, he tied our school record at that time for three-pointers in a game. And I'll never forget, he makes a three at literally the buzzer. It's like a Hollywood ending. And we won the game quite easily, so it wasn't like he won the, he had the game-winning basket. But the crowd just runs on the floor. Our players run on the floor. I'm thinking he's I'm living the movie Rudy. This is incredible. And then our players put him up on their, sh their shoulders. And I, at that point, I had no idea how many uh, points he had scored. Our public address announcer comes on and says, the leading scorer for the Trojans, J-Mac, with 20 points. And my, my math brain, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, he played the whole game and scored 160 points. <laughs> and uh, it was just wild. And, and the two things, I mean, there were so many lessons, but the one that was so powerful for me, because as a a coach of a team sport, you know, you're always trying to emphasize team sport. And as I mentioned, we had a lot of strife, so our team often was divided. But what really I will cherish for the rest of my life is when Jason got into the game, the four other guys, I never asked him to pass the ball. And yet in those last four minutes, they passed the ball to Jason every time. In fact, I still kid Jason to this day. Jason, I'm still looking for your first assist. You didn't pass it once. And, uh, I mean, there were so many other lessons we get into. Uh, I will uh, end the story by saying this is um, how the, the thing I felt they did it for all the right reasons. We didn't have any media there. When I called our local newspaper just to call in the score, they didn't make much of a deal about it. Although I will say the next day at school, we watched the game film. I didn't do much teaching. And the students would come up to me and say, Coach, this is going to get on ESPN. I said, ESPN? And we get a headline in our local newspaper. Uh, but what I didn't know was Jason's speech pathologist. He had worked with Jason for years. I didn't know him that well. Uh, he came to the game. He had never come to a game. And he was so touched, he called one of our local TV stations. And within a couple of days, Brandon, it became a global story. And, you know, we had interviews and it was just wild. And I'll just put the cap up. As I mentioned, we had never won the Section 5 championship. And that was Jason's dream. He wanted to be part of that. And three weeks later, in front of our sold-out downtown arena of about 11,000 people, we won our first Section 5 championship. So that was kind of the cherry on top. Wow. What a story. I'm, like, choking up over here. I'm, like, I'm not sure. I'm, like, I hope he keeps talking because I'm, like, I got a big knot in my throat. Wow. That – you know, to be, and like I said, I remember the day I, where I was when I saw that video, Yeah, you know, and it's, it, it was such a touching, moving story. It wasn't even the fact, like, I remember watching like, oh my God, he got in. And it's like, oh my God, he made a shot. Yeah. Oh my God, he keeps <laughs> making them, you know? So, and it's funny you say that, like the Rudy moment. So I'm a coach as well. We coach. You know, I've been a coach for 20 years, 20 plus years, if you include like all the coaching I did as a college player and, and mm -hmm. high school player. Um, God, we look when you're working with a team and you, you you don't it's not always about the wins and the losses. Right. There's that culture mm -hmm. piece. It's that right. piece that everybody is is, you know, moving together on the same page. And, and I think that you said something really important there. And I 
never knew this. You said, you know, we were, our team was, was struggling at the beginning of the season and going through some, some issues that were beyond the court. Mm -hmm. Um, And for you, not only did, I didn't know that. So for this story to happen, but also be the culminating point of that, that point where you said, I didn't have to tell my players to pass it to J-Mac. They knew, right? That to me is, is such an unlocking and limited potential moment. It's one of those moments that it doesn't happen every single day. It right. is one of those moments that we try to make happen as much as possible. And we hope to get through that. But as a coach, it's a different level than a classroom because yeah. you have to get everybody working towards the common goal, you know, right. together. It's not like class can be a little bit more independent at times. This one, this relies on us. And, you know, I, I love the story. I love, I love the ending and the clearing of the court, like just amazing how not only the team was supported, but the whole community was impacted. Someone had already set this up. So, and a parent had set this up, had set up the pictures of him. So, you know, sometimes when we struggle and when we go through these tough moments as a coach, I truly believe that challenges are opportunities for growth. And this is a perfect example. And whenever we we look back and reflect, and I know you've had a ton of time to reflect on this story, you wrote a book um, and you've told this story probably a million times, but, you know, each time you tell it, I'm sure you just see the, the the number, the numerous number of of lessons inside, and it must be exciting. And talk a little bit about how this kind of changed the course of your career, because you discovered some new passions about yourself. Yeah, I mean, I, at that point in my career, I really started a, a lot with my own personal growth, and I was hugely in the leadership. In fact, that's still my mission right now. Is I, in fact, I started a podcast myself called the Limitless Leadership Lounge, where we focus on trying to help young emerging leaders. I'm also working on a second book with a college professor to help young and emerging leaders because leadership is so important to me. Um, so. That uh, after that game, uh, you know, I had done some speaking in the basketball world, um, but I certainly had never thought of writing a book. And certainly had never thought about speaking uh, to audiences all over the country. Uh, so, you know, after this season, uh, you know, the thing had just exploded all over the world. And people started to call me and said, Coach, can you come in and share the story? And at first I I did. And I, I and after a few tries, I was like, you know, I'm, I've got a message here. I should start to figure out how I can uh, share that. And and so I, my first presentation, I called Dreams Really Do Come True. Because what I believe with people, you know, you talk about unpotential stories is, People, most people have some type of dream and usually a big dream, but they don't really think they can have it come true. And Jason had this big dream that he just kept thing. So I, in my first presentation, I kind of uh, share ideas of how I felt Jason made his dream come true and how you can implement these ideas to make your dreams come true. And with the caveat that not every dream can come true, but you can find ways to, for example, I, I talk about, you know, finding your passion. So you bring out your strengths. But Jason, you know, loved basketball. He was not super talented. So he was not going to be a pro or, or doing that, but he found ways to stay in the game. And that's something I really try to teach young people is that, you know, you can be in a sport, 
sport and not be the player uh, as much as we, it's nice to do that. You could be a coach. You could be, you know, someone that works in management. You could work in, uh, you know, uh, promoting the sport. You could work in media. You know, you could be a commentator. There are just so many different ways that you can stay involved to use the strengths that you have um, because not and most of us are not blessed to play at the professional level. It's, you know, it's extremely hard to get to that. I mean, I coached for 30 years. I've had one guy become a pro. I mean, that's how hard it is. So, uh, uh, so it's really those finding that passion. And then uh, I, my tr other transition is I, as I mentioned earlier, is I really got into leadership. So I do now a lot of leadership talks where I have my seven keys that I talk about in developing leadership and building successful teams. Because, you know, when people say, well, what are some of your problems or career? By far, the best thing that ever happened in my coaching career was J-Mac's night. I mean, J-Mac will tell you the best thing that ever happened to him was being part of a Section 5 championship. But that night was so special to me. And, and you know, as you said, it, I, I've shared it many, many times and still it really pours out of my heart. It was such a special night. But it, uh, one of the things I do share with people is that something I am very proud of is that my last 23 years, we never had a losing season. And in my last 11 years, after not making the Section 5 championship, we've actually made the finals eight times and won six. So I really started to figure out on some keys when I talk about leadership, about how you can develop consistency. Because when I people talk about leadership and how can you build a successful team, we see too often in sports and in, in, in businesses and music industry, you name it, you know, the famous one hit wonder, you know, you have some success one year, but how come you can't maintain it? And that's what I think people, the two questions I often get in, you know, building successful teams is how do you get to the top? And we talk about the process. And then the second part is how do you stay at the top? Uh, and those are some things I think you really got to be aware of. Otherwise, uh, the ship can sink very quickly if you lose focus and lose uh, what got you to the top. Yeah, absolutely. And just the shift of your career and the experiences that you were able to have, you know, you talk about in your book, you know, the forward from Billy Donovan, and you talk about going to the final four and going into the locker room of the final four, how this, uh, this story became the inspiration for that basketball team that was heading into the finals. And just to be able to see some of these moments as a coach, as a teacher, for Jason, as a student, as a kid who probably, who definitely won't, wouldn't have had those opportunities had it not been for this story to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, when you look back on that, when you reflect on that, that's just, you know, we talk about someone who's on this episode, every episode we always dedicate to someone who's out there unlocking unlimited potential and all whom they serve. Jason is a prime example of that. So we would like to dedicate this episode to Jason. I know Jason right now is um, is dealing with some unfortunate events. So talk us through so we can kind of put in the show notes ways people can help. Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I will. Uh, I'll share one a quick story, uh, you know, just to give you a lead up, and then I will share. Uh, unfortunately, he got in an accident. I'll talk about it in just a moment. But the, the interesting thing is, uh, before I, I delve into that very quickly, is that Jason came back after two years after he graduated from high school. He was working at a local grocery store. He, he didn't go to college, but he uh, 
he was following our program. He would come, but, you know, he wasn't involved. And after two years away, he uh, came in one day and said, Coach, I really miss the program. I want to come back and get involved. And he was actually one of my volunteer assistants for my last nine years. So, you know, when I would speak out of town, people say, do you ever see Jason? I said, like every day. <laughs> and the days I don't see him, he calls me or texts me. And and so it was really neat to be able to really continue to grow our bond. And I'll give you one little sidelight story to give you an idea of just his mental and powerful, the idea of perseverance. He was also a runner in high school, and he was just an average runner in high school. But when he started coaching me, one day he comes in and says, Coach, I love coaching. I really appreciate it, but I, uh, I really miss competing myself. I'm going to get back into running. I'm going to run a marathon. I said, Jason, really? I said, what are you going to do? He says, I'm going to run the Rochester Marathon. Well, I always talked a lot with goal setting with my players. I said, Jason, what's your goal? He says, I want to qualify for the Boston Marathon. So for your listeners that aren't familiar with running, uh, in the Boston Marathon, you have to qualify. A lot of marathons you can just enter. And his qualifying time for his age was three hours and five minutes. And for those that are unfamiliar, that's a very fast marathon. I'm, I have a running background. I never ran a marathon, but I, I, I know how fast that is. And I was like in shock. I said, Jason, you sure? And he goes, yep, I'm going to qualify. And he trained with our cross-country coach. And first Rochester Marathon, he runs in like three hours and two minutes. He qualifies for Boston, incredibly. But he decides he's not ready, doesn't go. The ironic thing is the next year is when he could have gone is when they had the bombing at Boston. So just unbelievable. So that he qualifies again by running 301 and change the next year at Rochester and qualifies for the Boston. So I said to him, Jason, what's your goal for Boston? He says, Coach, I'm going to break three hours. And I said, how are you going to do that? The Boston Marathon is more difficult than the Rochester Marathon. He goes, I'm, I've upgraded my training. <laughs> and sure enough, Brandon, first Boston Mar Marathon, two hours, 58 minutes, and 46 seconds. He breaks three hours. So he's just consistently inspires me. And right now, he's unfortunately going through some real difficult times. Um, he was riding his bike. Uh, he works as a bus, bus monitor, one of his jobs uh, at the school district. And he got he actually ran into a car and he got pretty seriously injured. He broke a number of ribs and his, his clavicle and he had a punctured lung. And so he's struggling. Fortunately, he, he came out of ICU and I've been in contact uh, with his father. And right now they're not comfortable having visitors, but I'm looking forward to seeing him soon. But he's going to be in the hospital for a few more days. So uh, for anybody that I would like to support, um, I, you know, some people reached out about raising money, that kind of thing. We, we, Jason and I have supported this local autism organization in Rochester called Autism Up. So people that have reached out from, to me that want to raise any money in his name, uh, that's where his dad and mom would like to see it. So, uh, but yeah, I appreciate it because uh, I know with all of the things I've learned from him about the power of perseverance, I know he will rally and get back into things as fast as he possibly can. Yeah. And the power of unlocking unlimited potential, staying mm -hmm. true to that goal. Right. Right. And so, you know, one thing I always ask everybody on this podcast is I ask them, I try to bring on people here who really, you know, have done amazing things in their career, but also just to share their story because inside of everybody's story are those moments, are those unlocking and limited potential moments because there are many throughout our lives. And you went through probably 147 um, in the past, you know, 25 minutes, but unlocking unlimited potential means. 
That means really, uh, number one is having the growth mindset for yourself. Because if you, if you have a fixed mindset, I think that really hurts you. Because I think the ability to unlock starting with yourself is you got to believe that you can control continue to grow and that you have expectations to keep raising your standards so you'll do things that you don't believe you can do. And then the second part in leadership is the power to shine the light on other people. And you do that by recognizing them, um, praising them. Like one of the things I talk about in my leadership presentation is the power of building trust. And we talk that I believe you have to have strategy because trust is so important. And three keys we always talk about is we need to align our words and actions. Two is we got to tell each other the truth. And the third thing is, is I think as a leader, you got to consistently catch people doing the right thing with praise and specific praise. So instead of saying, nice job, Johnny, I would say, hey, Johnny, that was awesome how you dove on the floor for a loose ball. That's what's going to help us win a championship this year. So the more specific you can be with your praise. And then really recognizing uh, you know, because one of the things that's very important in any team sport is developing, getting the right people on the bus, as Jim Collins says, but also getting them to understand their roles and how using their strengths can help them be successful for a common goal for the team. I think that's really powerful and something we really got to be looking to help people understand their strengths and how their strengths can help the team be successful. We rise by lifting others. I think I say it every single episode, yeah. um, and it always comes back to that. But I appreciate that you look at it, not only that individual lens of how do I unlock unlimited potential in myself, but how do I do it in others? It's a it's a cyclical process, in my opinion, yeah. for sure. You know, Coach, you have had a really amazing story. You have an amazing career. I hope my listeners check out this book, A Coach and a Miracle. I love the way it's broken down pretty easily by defining your passion, setting your goals. Um, really great. You know, I'm still working my way through it, but some awesome pieces. I mean, the, the forward is incredible. And and some of the people, you know, that have just reviewed it, you know, Dick Vitale, I mean, the V, I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's not really go. Jeff Van Gundy, you did mention him as well. Yeah. Have great things to say about it. Um, you know, I know it's not all about, the names on the inside of the cover, but you know, we're talking about some really amazing people and, and college basketball coaches, NBA basketball coaches. Wow. That's such an awesome thing to be able to look back on and, and be able to, to see people talking about you that you probably admired, you know, one day. Right. Absolutely. No, it's an awesome story. So what's next for you, coach, what's happening now in your neck of the woods? So uh, I mentioned, uh, you know, I'm starting to get back into speaking. Uh, you know, I've been doing mostly virtual for the last couple of years. Uh, so, in fact, I didn't pivot very quickly because I initially didn't want to do virtual. I was one of those people who liked to be out in front of people. Uh, but then I realized if I want to continue to grow my message. Uh, secondly, I, I mentioned earlier, I started a podcast with actually a college professor and a young man. It's actually a tri-generational a leadership podcast where we really try to help uh, you know leaders, uh, especially young and emerging leaders, so they can kind of cut through the learning curve. And we we've done some where just we uh, talk about a leadership topic, and then we've had a lot of wonderful guests. So we're really 
the podcast is growing. And as I mentioned, I'm working on a second book with the, with the college professor that is not coming quite as fast as I'd like. But, uh, you know, I, I'm going through a book once and I know you're going through a book that uh, uh, they're they're great to work on, but they are a challenge. So uh, uh, and I, I just. You know, Brenda, like uh, my website is coachjimjohnson.com. I have a free newsletter. We come out every month. We do a weekly blog. Uh, We also do a video series. If you check out my YouTube channel. Uh, So I, I really try to give like every day I do a success thought on my social media. I just want to try to get people started off on the right scene. And then I always do some kind of leadership whether I sh- share a video or a podcast or just a thought every day, just to try to help people and find a way, as you said, to rise people up. And, and so if I can make an impact to help just one person each day, and it's funny, I'll, I'll share one thing, because sometimes, you know, you do something consistent, like I've been doing this success thought for probably a few years now. And, you know, you're like, does anybody really look at these? And every once in a while, I'll be like out in the community and, you know, maybe I'm out grocery shopping or something. And somebody will come up and say, Jim, I love your thought of the day. Uh, Keep doing that. And it just pumps you up because you don't get too much feedback sometimes on that. And uh, it's just, uh, you know, so again, if you do it for the right reasons where you're just trying to help people and and find ways to inspire them, I think you're doing something pretty good in your life. And so that's what I want to continue to do. I, I really... Uh, want to continue to help young and emerging leaders and help all people uh, grow uh, to, so they can find their strengths and, and be the best leaders of themselves and be great leaders of, of others. Because leadership is something right now that I think uh, we're, we're struggling a little bit with. And the more leadership we have, the better off the world is going to be. Absolutely. CoachJimJohnson.com. Listen, I love the story. Everything that you're saying, I mean, I could have dug into each one of these items. We could have had this thing on for about three and a half hours. Um, It's been incredible to talk to you. I I love your story. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. And I'm so excited to hear what my listeners have to think and what they have to say about this. Brandon, I appreciate you having me and uh, look forward to staying in touch and look forward to meeting you someday. Uh, uh, I I love uh, being on shows, but uh, often yes, much better in person. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Well, coach, I hope you have an awesome day. I appreciate you. And to all the listeners out there, remember that the journey towards unlocking unlimited pot- potential, it begins with you. And don't forget to continue to educate with passion out there. Have an awesome day, everybody.